Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You know, whenever I would get in my head about, you know, with imposter syndrome and being like, is that too much money to ask? Is that crazy? (laughs) This is kind of a hot take. But I would always ask myself, what would a white man ask for? And I would I would put myself I'd put myself in kind of like a mindset of like, what would a white man ask for? Like, would he ask for this, you know, or would he ask for more? Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hey, welcome back to the show. It's so good to have you here. All right, today's episode is a great one. We are talking about a topic that's not just about numbers. It's about people, fairness, and understanding. That's right. We're talking about pay transparency. Have you ever wondered how this simple concept can make your work life better? Well, listen up. Our guest, Hannah Williams, she's the creator of the viral sensation Salary Transparent Street. She has been hitting the streets, asking strangers to share what they do and how much they make. 
Her mission is to combat discriminatory tendencies in employment and close pay gaps that affect women, people of color, workers with disability, and the LGBTQ plus community. For that, I'm a huge fan of Hannah's, and I know you're going to be too after our conversation. We explore how pay transparency can help shrink the wage gap, create a happier workplace, and promote fairness. Plus, Hannah's sharing some juicy information on what to do if you find out that you are underpaid. All right, my friend, let's start talking. Hannah, I have been so excited for this conversation for quite some time. I follow you on TikTok and I love everything you're doing. And I think it's it's just so refreshing to have this transparency around you know, salaries and what you make. I think especially as women and people of color, anyone who's been really discriminated against in the workforce, like this is really important information. And I'm actually in my 40s and I remember in my 20s, and no one talked about how much money they made. Like this was completely taboo. We didn't yeah. even cross into these waters. So it's still sometimes like shocking to me that people are just <laughs> so open about talking about their their salaries. Like, why do you think this has changed where we're at a place now where we're comfortable talking about how much money we make at work? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation, so I'm glad we're finally here. But yeah, oh my gosh, I think that really it's just the timing is everything, right? Like 20 years ago, like you said, people were still thinking that this was very taboo, very rude, but 20 years ago, we didn't have TikTok, you know, and 20 years ago, tw- people in their 20s did not have agency to talk about careers and their experiences. And what I love is that I, I've been on the internet, you know, consuming career content for like the past three or four years now. And I feel like every year it, it advances a little bit. People kind of push the boundaries. So even four years ago, these conversations were still taboo. But two years ago, I got fed up and I said, I'm over it. I'm tired of the secrecy. I have an idea. Let's see if it, you know, takes off. And it did. And I, I don't want to, you know, take credit for advancements in pay transparency, but I think that content like ours is really responsible for pushing the envelope and, you know, pushing those boundaries and changing the taboo. So I think it's really just timing, having a platform and kind of having the balls to do it as well. <laughs> I love that. And I think. What's so great, too, is is when you get people to start sharing about how much money they make or really anything financially speaking, I think it takes money out from what you're saying, like this taboo place, this this kind of secrecy that we have maybe grown up to think about money, like, oh, we don't talk to other people about our money. And we certainly don't share things that maybe aren't great and good. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, something that I really am passionate about about this show is sharing the transparency mm-hmm. of money and that it's, look, it's not all great and fantastic. And even if we showcase that on social media, there's there's a whole lot that goes on. And there's, you know, something I think, particularly with salary transparency, as with everything with money, a lot of it is it's it's emotions and it's yeah. thoughts and it's feelings and so much goes into it. I know, especially from a lot of women, you may have heard this too, when you talk about like negotiating your salary and immediately what comes up is, you know, shame and fear and and yeah. all of these emotions that kind of get in the way of doing that. So, mm-hmm. you know, coming to this place where we can kind of break down some of those barriers around the emotional side of money and talk about just talk about it very straightforward. Right. I think I think is really interesting. I'm wondering like if you've ever 
interviewed anybody and and like they just flat out are like no I I like I can't oh, yeah. I can't talk about what I make all the time but like it's something that I try to remind people and you know when when they're uncomfortable I try to challenge them and I'm like why why are you feeling uncomfortable you know like what are the emotions that are coming up and it's so interesting I actually I was just in New York City the other day and we were interviewing outside Bryant Park and this girl came up to me and she was like oh you know I reached out to you a couple months ago I sent you a DM you didn't respond and I was like oops sorry <laughs> <laughs> but she was telling me how like she unfollowed me at one point, like STS, and then followed me back because when she unfollowed me, she kind of like felt like the content was making her feel bad. Like it just was not making mm -hmm. her happy. And then she followed us back like a couple weeks later because she realized that like that's not the content's problem. It's an internal thing to work through. And so she's like, once I realized that, I was like, wait. I shouldn't be upset or comparing myself. I should be seeing it as a resource and, and, and a platform, you know, for her to also have agency. And so I think that when you talk about pay, emotions just run rampant. And it's because, you know, the heart of transparent or taboo of money is that we, we take it so personally. And what can you take more personally in finance than your own pay stub? And the problem is, is that so many of us have been you know, brainwashed by corporate America and our society, you know, our obsession with work to really equate our salaries to our own worth and our own value. And we shouldn't do that. I mean, to start, if you are comparing yourself, you're already undervaluing yourself because I think everybody's underpaid. <laughs> None of our salaries <laughs> have kept up with inflation or cost of living. And so you're already kind of setting yourself back. But ultimately, your salary has nothing to do with your who you are, how wonderful you are as a person, your morals, your actions, who you are in society. It is entirely determined by one company, their budget, you know, their market research and nothing to do with who you are. So we really need to take the personal emotion out of pay and see it as data and data points that we can use to make more ourselves. I just love that. I mean, all of that just gives me goosebumps. I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, and I want to talk to you about, I know you recently testified in Washington, D.C. Yeah. in support of the Pay Rage, Range Act. Mm -hmm. I want to hear a little bit more about that. But, you know, educate us a little bit about what's being done from, you know, a legislative perspective to make salary transparency more of the norm. Yeah, such cool improvements. I think that my timing was so critical <laughs> with my page because right around the time we started, pay transparency legislation was starting to have impact and, and make change. And so right now, I know there's at least 10 states that have pay transparency laws. There's a lot of pay equality laws as well. So, you know, pay transparency is, is a tool that we can use to make more money and make sure we're Really compensated, but there's other laws that we need to be aware of too, like salary history laws, like salary secrecy. It's important. Ooh, what's what's yeah. salary secrecy? <laughs> this one's important. So a lot of people, when I say like salary history and secrecy, they're like, what's that? Well, some states have laws where it's illegal for a company to ask you what you were making at your prior job because uh, for, for many states, it's illegal for them to, you know, outright be like, how much were you making at your last job? 
But now they can ask you, well, can we see a pay stub? Can we, you know, how much were you making? And they'll determine how much they'll offer you based on what you were pr- making oh, previously, wow. which obviously presents so many problems. And so many problems. Contributes yeah. <laughs> significantly to pay gaps all around. And so there's laws like that that are trying to protect workers. So making sure that they don't get undervalued based on their prior salary. But pay transparency laws are my bread and butter. It's really just ultimately requiring companies. Usually there's a you know, they have to have a minimum of five employees. They have to be an established, reputable company, but they're being held to a standard where if they qualify based on the law, which many companies would, they have to list a minimum and maximum salary range in all job postings. And that's job postings, internal transfers, promotions, all of that. So full transparency. And it holds companies accountable. You know, they... The way I see it is this should have been around decades ago. How (laughs) are you going to ask employees and job candidates to know how much a company's budget is for a role? We can do all the market research in the world. We can do all the networking in the world. But ultimately, we don't have access to those books. And those books are what determines what a company can pay an employee. So why is the responsibility for fair pay placed on us and not the company? Those laws are holding them accountable to that. It sounds it sounds about like the balance of power, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's a huge imbalance of power and like we need to, we need to level the playing field. It's not fair to put that responsibility, the onus for equality and and fair pay on candidates and not the people actually paying them. What do you think do you have like a trajectory like what's going to happen in the next couple of years? Are more and more states going to adopt this kind of legislation? Mm, great question. I don't have you know, the crystal ball. I wish I did. I think my my estimate, my guess is that what we're seeing in terms of trends is that more blue states are passing these laws compared to red states. And so there's definitely a political divide there. As I mentioned before, I think it's a li- like 10, maybe 11 or 12 states. Some states have passed laws like under the table and it makes no news. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) there's another one. But many states also have these laws on the books going live in like January 2024, January 2025. Many of them have proposed legislation that's kind of just at a standstill in the government. So what I would say is if you aren't sure if your company has these laws, definitely do the research, figure out what is on the books, what is actually passed, what are your legislators talking about. And if you don't see legislation that's pay transparent, talk to your representatives. You elected them. They work for you. I went to Capitol Hill and I talked and I, I talked to my my senators. I've, t- I've lobbied Congress to pass this and I'm a nobody. Like I didn't have special, you know, invitations. I invited myself because these are my elected representatives. And so I think a lot of times it kind of relates to our fear of salary negotiation. We don't feel like we can, but ultimately it's your paycheck it's your rights. You should stand up for it. That is great advice. You know, getting getting active about something that really means something to you. And you just never know. You know, I'm sure when you started, you know, your TikToks, you had no idea the the impact and kind of the ripple that it would make. And I know you you've been able to create this amazing salary database from yeah. all this information, which is great. I mean, talking about also, you know, leveling the play field. Tell me, have there been any like that kind of stand out in your mind, like any success stories mm. of people who have like taken that information and really transformed, you know, their their career and their their salary? Yeah. I need to update this data point because it's my favorite one and I want to do this again so I can update it for the most, you know, today. But I remember when we started, 
I I ran a little survey on our page and I think like 34 people responded to it. So not a lot of respondents, but I asked people, you know, have we helped you? Has Salary Transparency helped you make more money? And if so, you know, how much? And so I asked them, what was your starting salary before, you know, watching Salary Transparency? And what are you making now? Because a lot of people have used that information to ask for more money. And I tallied the total difference of these 34 respondents, and it was over $500,000, like, difference. So I'm just like, (laughs) I know there's impact. I, you know, I I have so many individual responses, and all of those stories are important, you know? So it's like, I have so many just because I feel like everybody that consumes transparency is impacted. And what I try to tell them is, pay it forward, you know, for lack of the lack of a better word and pardon the pun. But if pay transparency helped you, imagine how you can help others and pay it forward by also being transparent. So that's why I, I really invite people to, you don't have to be on salary transparent street to make a difference, but have those conversations with your colleagues, have it with your friends, and you can submit your salary anonymously on our database as well if you want to make an impact. Well, and I think, you know, this goes back to what we were just talking about a little bit ago about the the emotions around money. I would imagine like even if maybe something hasn't changed financially specifically for the person, just, the, the, you know, watching these stories over and over again is really aspiring. And I yeah. think it ultimately does change your relationship with money because maybe you feel more empowered or you feel like you have a sense of community mm-hmm. that you didn't have before because this is all I mean anything around money is like a very lonely it is a lonely game so like feeling like you have people who are trying to do the same thing you're doing I you know I just imagine there's like uh, tons of those stories absolutely and nothing's more lonely than conversations about our pay like you know secrecy is running rampant it's so difficult I remember I started salary transparency because I found out I was underpaid and you know my only other colleague had been fired so I didn't even have somebody in my department that I could talk to and ask you know hey am I fairly compensated I was pretty sure I was underpaid and I, I found out that that was true but like figuring out what the market rate was and trying to talk to people about it before, you know, Salary Transparent Street was so difficult and very awkward and uncomfortable. And so I think just the value of pages like ours is giving people an opening to have these conversations and demonstrating that there's value in it without them having to say it all by themselves. Yeah, you you brought up your situation, which I'm really fascinated about, uh, like how you went from you know, finding this out about yourself to actually like kind of creating this movement. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm curious your thoughts on this because, you know, money is very taboo and all, all the things we've been talking about. But there is this fascination that people have with this like behind the scenes mm-hmm. look at like, how are other people doing? You know, what are they spending their money on? We just had an episode on a couple of weeks ago when somebody was talking about the TikTok trend of little like secret splurges oh, and yeah. how there were like, yeah. you know, 55 million people talking, a little treat culture. People uh-huh. were talking about how, you know, they were spending their money on these little treats and like, it was just this thing taken off. And it was funny, my husband who actually produces the show, he's like, this is the craziest thing ever. Like people are just <laughs> on talking about, you know, how they're spending money. But I think there's this, I was trying to explain to him, like, I think there's this, it's why we love reality TV, right? Like it's perfect. It's example. the behind the scenes kind of look into people's life and especially money. But I'm, you know, I'm wondering, like, when you had this idea for, you know, salary transparent street, like, 
were you thinking about about this as people as well that we like to kind of be, I guess, voyeurs a little bit and, and you know, peep in on what other people are doing? Yeah. And I think that there's so much to that. Absolutely. I also think that there's what we were talking about with like the loneliness aspect and the majority of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, even the ones making six figures. And so I think that that's, you know, in line with that is we like seeing that other people are doing the same as us. You know, that if you feel like you're behind, but then you see someone who's making the same salary with like the same years of experience, you're like, oh, okay, you know, maybe I, I'm not alone. And so it can go both ways, right? I also like like that girl who told me that the, the videos made her uncomfortable because she felt like she was making less than everybody else. It can go both ways. But I think we need to all remember that at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat. And money is just so intriguing because it's everything, right? It's our opportunity. It's our, you know, how we want to grow in our lives. It's what we want to accomplish. It it gives us so much access to things that we may not have had access to prior. And so it's cool to hear how people are doing and how we compare. And sometimes it's hit or miss. But for the most part, you know, we need to remember that we're all in the same boat and we need to work together. I want to go back to this this idea of like how you figured out you were being underpaid yeah. because I think that for a lot of people that's still kind of like the mystery mm-hmm. data point is how like how did you get this information? How would you advise somebody else to to really find out like am am I being underpaid yeah. like specifically in the company I I work for? Mm-hmm. Such a great question because I literally just did a webinar about this like an hour ago. So I'm all primed and prepped. (laughs) I've got all the answers. There's three ways that I recommend for people to find their market rate. Number one is salary databases. There's general databases that are kind of like Indeed, Glassdoor. You know, if you look up a, a data analyst salary, gives you an aggregate back. So really like a very general data point that you can compare yourself to. That's a place to start to kind of get an idea of what your, your job title pays. The other one is specific salary databases. So salary databases like ours, where if you search a job title, you get an individual response back. Those are really helpful because you want to compare yourself to the most accurate data point that you relate to, right? You don't want to compare yourself to someone who's got a master's degree when you have an associate's. All these factors are really important, like location, years of experience, industry, company. There's so many that you need to keep in mind as factors to determine your market rate. So try to find the salary that you compare to the most. The second way you can go about it is by networking, reaching out to people on LinkedIn, talking to people in your department, talking to content creators that are in the similar job title. Content creators are actually my favorite reference point because if you're already on the internet talking about your job, probably talking about your salary, that's such a great resource because the person's already open. You know, it's not like a cold message on LinkedIn where you're not sure if they're going to respond or take it the wrong way. Definitely take advantage of social 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 media and the resources there. The third one. And are, wait, are you are you asking them like are you asking them just point blank? Yeah, you know how much money do you make? Point like, blank. But I will say, if you're asking like a stranger, always offer your salary first and under and explain why you're asking them. If you're just going into their DMs and being like, "How much do you make?" They're not going to respond to you, and they shouldn't. <laughs> you know, they don't owe you anything. <laughs> but if you come at them and say, "Hey," I think I'm underpaid. I found out that my colleague makes X more than me. I only make this. I'm trying to make sure that I'm making a competitive rate. Do you mind if I have a conversation with you about your rate and how you got there? You know, you want to open the conversation to something deeper than salary because at the end of the day, it's not just 
okay, how much did they make? It's how did they get there? What did they ask for? What was their strategy? That's what you really want to figure out. That's what you learn. The number is the top, you know, the high level that you need to get into the nitty gritty. The third way that I recommend people find their market rate is taking advantage of salary transparency laws. Check that your state has them. If they do, great. Now you can look at all the companies that you're looking to work for and see what they're actually paying their people. That's a great range to take advantage of. If your state doesn't have these laws, you can look up states similar to yours, maybe with a similar cost of living or nearby that have the laws. Check what companies in those in those states are hiring for. Adjust the cost of living to yours. And now you have some some market research to work with. But using all three of those resources and really compiling a lot of research will give you a great range that should be like no more than a $20,000 minimum to max difference and is not like concrete. It's always going to change. That's the other thing is market rate will change year to year. You shouldn't just do it one time and go by that number for months. It's going to change based on the company you apply to, based on the industry. It's always going to change. So keep an eye on the market and talk to people about pay. Like once we have these open conversations and all of us are having it and pay transparency laws are everywhere, this won't be a problem anymore. Like we can see bad pay from a mile away and we avoid it, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. 
Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. All right, Hannah. So it's time to play your relationship with money is game. First question, if you were to to describe your relationship with money as a cartoon (laughs) character, who would it be? (laughs) That's such a good question. My first thought is Squidward because it's like not great, but like, you know, he's very, he's mature. I would consider himself himself like the most mature adult (laughs) there. You know, he's, he's bopping about life. He's getting there. But like, you know, sometimes things are rough. Sometimes he's stressed, <laughs> but you know, you're, you're getting there. You're doing the best you can. 
All right. Number two, how many times a day would you say you think about money? Oh my gosh. All the time. At least once every five minutes, but I'm probably an outlier. I just, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. I think it creates opportunity. Number three. So if you had unlimited amount of money just magically dropped into your bank account, what would be the first place you would spend your money? Ooh, Zillow. (laughs) Zillow. I would love a nice new house. <laughs> From a, a, a Zillow-aholic myself, <laughs> I really appreciate that answer. Right. <laughs> Question number four. Tell me a money mistake or money mishap that you've made that you wish you could get a do-over for. Oh, my gosh. I have so many. I spent a, like when I was in school on a program at Columbia that was like a sports industry professional certificate. And it was pricey. It was like two grand, a couple grand. I remember my dad loaned me the money and he, you know, was very clear about I had to pay him back. And like, I think I knew when I did it that I, I didn't want to work in sports anymore, but I just was too scared to get off the path. And I was I was a junior already. So I was like, I, all my internships have been in sports. My whole career trajectory is in sports. So I, I knew that I didn't want to do it anymore, but I still did it. And I think I ended up like changing my complete trajectory, quitting sports altogether, like a couple months later before I even finished the course. And I finished it out of like, you know, I was like, I paid for it. I have to finish it. But my heart wasn't in it. And so I think when it comes to money, trusting your gut is so important because it'll tell you whether you're making the right or wrong choice. And your brain might tell you something different, but your gut will always know. And so trust your gut instead of your heart or your brain or what you really want. Sleep on it. You know, that's my advice. <laughs> so, okay, let's say we get to this point, like we, we've we got this information. We, we understand what do we do with this next? Like, mm-hmm. are we are we waiting till our annual review or are mm. we going in and, you know, talking about, hey, we're underpaid, you know, h- how are we then taking this information and, and trying to get more yeah. of a salary? If you do the market research and you find out that you're underpaid, point blank period, you need to move or make more money in your current role. It's unacceptable. We're not taking it anymore. It's 2023, almost 2024. If we're underpaid, we're not putting up with it. So what do you do, right? If you really like the company that you're working at and you want to stay there, do the market research, put it all, all, all in a letter, and talk to your manager about discussing your compensation. When you do that is really dependent on your situation and company. I tell people, you know, when is your annual performance review? Most of the time it's in the winter, early, you know, beginning of the year. Start having those conversations before your performance review, at least two to three months. You want to plant the seed. You don't want to like come out of nowhere and be like, I'm underpaid and I need a raise. You know, like you need to plant the seed, but also you don't want to rock the boat. If your company just went through layoffs, you don't want to be the one asking for more money because it's going to put a target on your back. You want to try to be strategic about it. So let the dust settle before you bring it up. Although I will say the best way to get more money is to job hop, is to leave your company. So start having conversations with other companies. Start doing interviews. My dad gave me a really good piece of advice that I still use to this day. He always told me it's not not this kind of interview, but job interviews. He was like, take every interview, although I do take all the interviews. (laughs) 
But he told me, he was like, take every interview, even if it's something you're not interested in. Because if you're not interested, great. You just had an amazing opportunity to, opportunity to practice and to like you know, rehearse your, your responses to a lot of questions, especially about pay. So whenever I had these conversations after I would ask recruiters, you know, what's your budget and see what they said. And then I would kind of create my strategy based on the responses I got. So put yourself out there, know that you will probably get the highest raise at another company. And if you get an offer at another company, but you want to stay at yours, you can leverage the offer from another company to ask for more at your company. So an example of this is my own example. When I found out I was underpaid, I was making $90,000 and my market rate that I researched was between 100 to 120 k Found out I was underpaid. I did all the things right. You know, I asked for a fair market rate. I did a meeting with my manager. I put all the research in a letter and, you know, I did everything by the book. They still told me no because I hadn't been with the company for a year. So I didn't qualify according to them. And then they told me that even at that, they wouldn't give out raises of more than three to 5% at any one time. So like way less than what I was asking for. So I went to go look for another, uh, another job. First conversation I had with a recruiter, she asked me what my salary requirements were. And that was when I had my light bulb moment. And I was like, this conversation, like this, this question's stupid. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to know what right. you can afford to pay me? So I asked her what the budget was and I give her so much credit because she really changed everything for me. She didn't hesitate. And she told me right away that their budget was about 115K. Why that was so impactful to me is because, like I said, I knew my rate was 100 to 120K. I was going to ask for 105. Like I was already going to undervalue myself by $10,000. So when she said 115, I was like, that's perfect. That sounds great to me. They made me an offer for 115 and I brought it back to my company because I'd only been there like six months. I didn't want to leave because, you know, I was already job hopping. It wasn't going to look great on my resume. So I wasn't eager to do it. I brought them back the offer. I was like, hey, I asked for a raise. You guys denied me. I will leave because they, they gave me 115. They told me to name my price to not leave. And in that moment, I was like, I'm leaving because you guys are foul. (laughs) Like, This is (laughs) not a company I want to work for. And so it's definitely a strategy, but there's tons of ways that you can find your fair market rate, but don't accept less than your competitive rate. And I think what's great what you're talking about is one, you have the information So, I mean, obviously information is golden. Power. But two, you're asking questions. Mm -hmm. So you're really putting yourself in a power position and you're not afraid of what the answer is. You know, I think sometimes when people, you know, go to negotiate their salary, they're so afraid that, you know, specifically if you're, if you're, you know, trying to get with a new company, they're really afraid that if they ask for like $5,000 more, the, the, you know, people hiring them are going to say, you know what? We don't want you anyway. We don't want you anyway. Yeah, and that's that's such a fear, but that uh, that almost like never, never happens. happens. Yeah, it's a, it's a game. It's like th- they know if if you're not negotiating with them, they're like, oh, okay, this was really easy. Yeah, like we we got he he or she in for you know well under what they should have been paid. Yeah, I didn't know until later that like if you accept the first offer, you left money on the table. Like that, the first offer is never the final offer. I love that. I love that. Okay. I want to bring this back a little bit to 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 what you do and and these TikToks when you interview people. Tell me the process. Like, how do you decide who you're going to talk to yeah. and and who you're going to feature? Like, what what is that process yeah. like for you? You know, who I choose to feature is definitely not in my control. It's more so like this is the content I have and I've got to put it out. That 
it's so interesting to talk about this because people assume, I think, that we like schedule the interviews and they're not random, but 99% of them are. Before, when we started, we're like a year, we've been doing this a year and a half. So like for the first year, I was really focused on hitting all 50 states. Like that was my goal. I was like, we have to go to all 50 states and like show the salary discrepancies. Now that we're in our second year, I'm kind of like, that was really expensive and exhausting. And like, (laughs) it didn't pay off, you know, the way that I thought, like, it has to be more, we have to focus on really good quality interviews instead of quantity of interviews. And so now it's more so like, I'll interview wherever I'm supposed to be. So I went to New York City for an event this week with Shark Tank, which was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, I'm in New York City, let's do interviews, you know, so I, I just like, do interviews wherever I happen to be. I'm based in the DC metro area. So it's like whenever I'm home, it's never a problem to just head out and be like, let's go hit up Georgetown, you know, and see what happens. But who we choose to interview is really random. People wouldn't guess this, but I am actually very shy and kind of like an introverted extrovert. And so I have to like flip the switch on, you know, I like turn my little my my knob back and I'm like, okay, I can do this. Like I'm a people person. And so (laughs) sometimes, you know, like, a lot of people will walk by me before I get the courage to say something. And so I really, it's vibes. Honestly, it's just vibes. I will look at someone and I'm like, do they look like they're friendly? You know, do they look like they will be rude to me? And I just go by that. And I have a pitch. You know, we don't just go right up to them and stick a camera and a microphone in their face. I always ask them consent, you know, and permission to do the interview. So my little pitch is, Hi, you know, sorry to bother you. We're filming for our channel, Salary Transparent Street. We ask people what they do for a living and how much they make to promote pay transparency in different careers. Do you mind if we interview you really quick? And usually they're like, how long is is it going to take? And I'm like, less than two minutes, I promise. It's really dependent on how much you want to (laughs) talk. And then we do the interview. My my husband, I keep saying fiance, but we just got married. So it's like weird to say husband. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, he's our cameraman. And so he'll just film it. We get them to sign a consent form at the end. And there you go. That's it. <laughs> nice. I love it. I always love to hear like h- how the process actually happens because we see the finished product. Yeah. So. There's a it's lot really of work behind the scenes. It's and not I love that, that simple. You're an introvert, extrovert. Um, yeah. I, I'm very much that same way. After I do an interview, it's like I go into hermit crap. Oh yeah, don't talk to uh, me. Kind of mode. draw the exactly. shades. <laughs> yeah. What you know? What's what's next in your career? Like, where do you where do you see this going, or where do you hope this mm-hmm. goes? Such a good question. I feel like. My answer to that changes on almost like a weekly basis because it moves so fast. You know, things that I'm doing now, I wouldn't have imagined I'd be doing that quickly. And so I just kind of am ambitious and I'm trying to do all the things. My goals really are pay transparency legislation. So I call it like my three pillars, my three C's, community, Congress, and corporate. So community is really just making sure that we're constantly delivering value and pay transparency resources and tools for our community and empowering them. Then there's corporate, which is getting corporate America on board to these changes and stressing why it's a positive change that they should be implementing. So putting that pressure on them, holding them accountable. And then Congress, which is legislation. There's state legislation and federal. I've talked to Congresswoman Eleanor Norton about her federal pay transparency bill fully support it. Right now, it's really just at a standstill in in the, in the government, which brings me back to the blue-red aspect. That's kind of frustrating to me because 
I feel like this isn't a political debate. You know, it shouldn't be a blue or red position. All workers benefit from pay transparency, whether you're blue or red. And so I'm just like, come on, like we can do this. We can do this bipartisan thing. And so really, I'm trying to talk with Congress people and, you know, people in government, people, governors of states to make sure that they're aware that this is something employees want. And it's something that would really bring a positive change to a lot of workers. So those are my focuses. But, you know, it's busy. We've we've gotten tons of requests lately for us to go to like Europe and different countries. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe that's what we'll do next. I don't know. (laughs) I go where the wind takes me. Ever have any aspirations of running for for office or anything? Why do I, mean, I get this I, question? I think, <laughs> all the I time? think you would be a shoe in. I mean, really? you're just like you talk, yeah, because you you just you're so passionate and you, you really are about like bringing people together. And I think you you just have this quality about you that is it's very infectious. Thank you. Gosh, that's the ultimate compliment. I really appreciate that. I you know I've gotten a couple comments like that and I've thought about it. I don't know if I'm built for politics. Like, I just, I'm not, I'm so, you know, I just don't want to get ruined by it either. And it's so dirty that I'm just like, I can either be the change or I'll get ruined by it. And so it's kind of (laughs) like, what do I want to do? I don't know. But, you know, the seed has been planted. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Maybe you'll see me in a couple of years in a suit. You know, a highly... A highly paid activist would, you know, would would, would be a better role, right? We right. Can stay on the fringes, exactly. Well, you know, I, I'm thinking this too. Like, you you talk to all these people about, you know, about their salaries, and and I I know it probably makes a big impact on you as well. And there's probably a lot of money lessons that you learn, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, along the process. You know, like one of my secret weapons is I love helping people literally like find money in their bank account. Yeah. And, you know, I, I talk to people about creating what I call like a mindful money plan, which is like, let's get rid of the budget. Like, let's mm. find something that feels like really a passionate to them. And, you know, I think you're, you're also really passionate about this from, you know, like a, a salary, you know, standpoint as well. Yeah. But there are a lot of lessons in like what both of us do around you know, saving, investing, like being more mindfully, more mindful with our money. Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, if there's, yeah, if there's anything like that you've really learned kind of personally through mm-hmm. this that that you think would be just really, really great for everyone listening to to hear about. Yeah, I mean, number one on a salary point is don't undervalue yourself. You'd be so surprised by what you can ask for and feeling intimidated to ask for it is really just you working against yourself. And what I love about market research, if it's done really well and proper, is that it gives you confidence walking into any conversation with a recruiter or hiring manager because you can A, spot a lowball offer and know when to walk away, but also you can spot a good offer and know how you can you know play with it in a competitive way. So I think like, just valuing yourself and knowing that you're worth it is the first thing. But the second thing on a more like financial standpoint is really that total compensation is so undervalued and underestimated. People will only focus on the base salary, you know, how much you're actually taking home without realizing that 
everything is negotiable, not just base salary. You can negotiate your sign-on bonus, your 401k, any retirement benefit, your health insurance, your internet bill if you work from home, and your commuting costs if you have to go into the office. Everything is negotiable. If you're paying for something to do your work, you should be asking the company to compensate you for it, and your benefits should be pretty hefty. So total compensation can oftentimes almost look double to what your base salary looks like. And that is really going to set you up in the long run for good benefits and a good retirement. So don't underestimate what total compensation looks like. If your base salary, if what they're offering you is a little low, what can they give you in in other ways, in other benefits to make up what you're looking for? So yeah. I love that. Okay. So we've talked Gosh, like so much about <laughs> a lot. And we've looked at every side here of salary yeah. transparency. What do you want everyone to remember? Like kind of end of the day, because, you know, it comes back to our careers are deeply personal. It's it's what we do to be able to fund, you know, the life we want to live. Some of us love our careers. Some of us don't love our careers. Mm-hmm. And we've got the whole aspect of, you know, we, we got to get paid and we want to get paid, you know, absolutely what we're worth. But it it is, you know, it is exhausting process it and is. stressful and it brings us back to kind of the emotional side of money. Like, what do you want everyone to just take away from like a conversation like this? Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> I'm like spitballing in my head so many things. I mean, number one is don't underestimate yourself. Trust your value. Understand that you're worth it. Whenever I, you know, whenever I would get in my head about, you know, with imposter syndrome and being like, is that too much money to ask? Is that crazy? (laughs) This is kind of a hot take, but I would always ask myself, what would a white man ask for? And I would, I would put myself, I'd put myself in kind of like a mindset of like, what would a white man ask for? Like, would he ask for this, you know, or would he ask for more? And, and that was kind of my North star and it helped me get over imposter syndrome. So if that helps anyone, I hope, (laughs) I hope it does. But I would also say that careers can be complicated and they're not linear. And what goes down always comes back up. Whenever, you know, I, before I started this and I feel like I'm at a point in my career where I I feel very successful. I feel like I've achieved all the things I want. I'm very happy. I, you know, but I didn't have that two, you know, two or three years ago I was struggling. And so if you ever feel like you're struggling, you know, and things aren't going right, just know that that's only happening right now but it's not always going to be that way. You really do control your own destiny and it's in your hands. If you're unhappy in your career, you can go do something else. Like the beauty I think of our professional environment right now is that there's so many things that you can break into without a degree. So if you feel pigeonholed in your career because it's what you studied in school and you feel like it's not applicable elsewhere, so many companies now are looking at more skills instead of your educational background. So don't underestimate yourself. If you're unhappy, fight like hell to be happy. Like don't accept it because it's out there for you. You just really have to put the effort in and the energy. And I know that that's hard, but there's a community of people out there that are going through the exact same thing. So just remember you're not alone. Find that community, find that support and and fight for yourself. She's pretty awesome, right? (laughs) I hope you had as much fun exploring the world of pay transparency as we did. I always love learning more about the laws and, and, and what's changing and how we can all get on board. 
because sharing salary secrets, it can be pretty life-changing. So I hope this episode inspired you to fight for what you're worth and also to have the courage to share your salary with others to make pay transparency the norm like Hannah's doing. So a huge shout out to you, my amazing listeners, for joining us on this journey and this conversation. Until next episode, stay curious, stay friendly, and let's all work towards making the world a better place one podcast episode at a time. Thanks for tuning in to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone right now so we can spread the word of pay transparency. You can head right to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests. And a big shout out to our sponsors who make this show possible. They help me be able to bring this show to you every single week and bring all these amazing guests and all of this educational content. Again, if you want to enter that contest for a $50 Amazon gift card, go to atmpod.link slash review. I'll see you back here in a few days. Mm-hmm.